You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Invest. Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Baroga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hi, Ken. Hey, welcome back to the show. This show is designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning strategies that are evidence-based that we believe will give you a better chance to be financially successful and make a smarter, uh, make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions. That's right. A little off my game here, Ethan. Too many Diet Cokes? Yeah, could be. Or not enough. One of the two. Interesting. Simon, two Diet Cokes on the double. Ethan, before we get started today, I thought we'd go over the, there's some big news in the market with the uh, the Federal Federal Reserve and uh, what, what's going on there, the Fed meeting. Sure. I mean, um, I thought we could talk about that a little bit, go over the current uh, market status, some of the asset classes and areas we're invested in, and take a look over the last year. Uh, and take a look back at what the headlines were a year ago and how that relates to uh, what's happened in the market. Okay. Let's maybe sum it up with some of our current advice on how you should be approaching your investment strategy. Do you think we have enough time for all that? I don't even know. Uh, if not, and, and if we have extra time, I have a few other things we could talk about. Wow. All right. So, um, you know, we're just just a couple guys having a conversation here and on how to put all this into perspective and making some better investment decisions. And clearly over the last year, if we look at the returns on some of these, we get into this, Ethan, right. um, it, it's significant. So the decisions you made a year yeah. ago, based on what the alternatives were, could be an enormous amount of difference in your financial situation. Well worth listening and thinking about and synthesizing on, Ethan. Agreed. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and we'd like the audience to participate. And uh, even professional advisors, other advisors, we'd love them to jump in to the show. Sure. Um, authors, movie stars, sports figures, any, anyone who wants to contribute. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> you know, the kind of people that, that you spend a, a lot of time with. <laughs> right, right. That's true. Chauffeuring around town in your luxury Camry. That's right. Well, not everybody can have a Camry, and I like to share it. All right. Go ahead. All right. Well, hey um, – I think I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but Kent, but this this is a live show today. Um, so if you'd like to give us a call and join the program, uh, feel free. We'd love to have you. Uh, you can reach us at eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero, or if you just want to ask a question via email, you can reach us there at contact at empiradio.com. And as usual, if you're an individual investor out there looking for some help, we we would love to hear from you on a personal basis. If you'd like to reach us and perhaps get a second opinion on your portfolio perhaps uh, give you some insights on, on perhaps how best to retire, those sorts of things. Give us a call perhaps here at the uh, Empirical Headquarters, and that's at 206-923-3474, and feel free to ask for Ken or Ethan. And if you're a professional uh, investor out there, uh, professional advisor, if you'd like to consider partnering up with a very well-established firm that's taken uh, a lot of time to develop the infrastructure to help advisors guide clients as to making smart decisions, uh, feel free to give us a call as well. And again, that number is 206-923-7474. Give us a little ringy ding. 
Yes, that's right. Ringy ding. Sorry about that. Two oh six. Uh, what was the number, Ethan? Eight hundred. Well, you can give the eight hundred or not. I've been giving the two hundred six yeah, number. That's why you threw me. One eight hundred nine two three four three zero seven. Write that number down, Ethan. I think we should say it in unison more often. You're going to need it. <laughs> All right, let's All right. do it. Okay. Good. Good. Anything Where are we going to start? Say? No, I'm I'm okay. good there. Yeah. Um. Lots of things are going to pop in, into my mind here, Ethan, as we progress. We we don't like to do a lot of scripting. We like to, you know, keep it. What do you mean? We huh? We script the show every, every week. We spend uh, hours scripting the show. And we need to do a much better job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you caught me. If that's the case. Oh, I'm sorry. My microphone's flying off the table. I asked for some uh, wireless headsets about three months ago. And, uh, well, Simon says they're expensive. Oh, was that? I didn't know it was the budgetary constraints that are holding us back. So, I think so. Anyway, uh, let's take a look here. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 206.51 uh, points today. Wow. That is a whopping 1.55% S&P 500, which is probably more relevant to the way we invest any who, was up uh, about 1.63% today. Wow. Um, and uh, why well, stop there? You mind if I crank through a few of these? I think you should. Segments of the I think you should. So if we look at the World Stock Index, um, the MS, the MSCI uh, World Index, you're talking about 1.75 today, a one-day increase. That brings us over the last 12 months on the World Index being up about 18.31%. Wow. Ethan, and uh, the S&P 500 up 24.48% hey. over the last 12 months. Check this out. Can I say something real quick? Check it, check it. The year on the ten-year treasury, the yield on the ten-year treasury, is one point seven four. Today's return to the stock market was one point seven five. You got an entire year's worth of uh, yield. Long, amazing, right? Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. Actually. Pretty amazing, yeah. Anyway, uh, if we look at some of the uh, the way we break down the asset classes, in Ethan, over the last twelve months, ending here. 913, we're just looking at some of the iShares ETFs as a general guide here in these categories. Right. So if you look at large cap growth, um, the IVW is the symbol of the iShares, up about 25.96%, almost 26%. You have the large value up 28.54%. This is the last 12 months, right? Last 12 months. Uh-huh. Small cap growth, so it would be like a Russell 2000 growth. Um, 23.99, Right. You've got small value, 27.25%. So in hmm. both U.S. large and, and small, for the last 12 months, value has outperformed growth again. Um, previous to that, right, growth was doing pretty well. Yeah, so. that's right. So it's the last 12 months what we're experiencing here. And you've got uh, small actually being pretty close to large. So right. not much different in this particular 12-month series. Right. It's interesting to see how over time is how far apart they can actually be mm-hmm. in returns. The EFA, which is a developed international index, uh, symbol EFA on the iShare, it's up uh, 15.26%. And if we slice and dice that into value and growth segments, Ethan, value is up about 1779 Growth up 13.46. So we've got a trend here, a little bit of the value uh, in the U.S. and in the international market, offering a premium at least over the last single year. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, emerging markets, however, up a parse seven percent. Yeah, single digits. Months. Single digits. Uh, what's interesting about that, and we get into this, Ethan, is when you think about a, 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 a systematic, disciplined approach to the way you would rebalance a portfolio. Mm-hmm. As emerging markets led the rebound uh, coming out of the market bottom. Yeah, the Great Recession. The Great Recession, as we like to call it. Uh-huh. And uh, now, when you've got these other equity asset classes in the developed markets doing double and, in some cases here, close to triple the return, what would typically happen in your in your allocation is emerging markets will become underweighted, and you'd start you'd start reallocating capital to that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of interesting how that works. Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? I mean, most of the time, if you're when I speak with individual investors, which is all the time, um, a lot of times they'll look, like, "Hey, well, what's done held well recently? Let's just buy more of that." And it's very difficult sometimes to conceptually grasp. But hey, really, what you want to do if you're buying stuff is to buy what. Probably hasn't recently done very well, as long as it's diversified. So this would be one of those one of those cases, I think. And I have one more thing on this week. Yeah, of, give me one more thing. I think this is fascinating. Looking at the last week of returns, I know small small periods of time aren't aren't anything to make a decision on. No, not at all. But it's interesting to talk about and evaluate. Sure, it is. Uh, the last week of returns for the Dow uh, Dow Jones is one point eight six percent. Same thing, roughly for the U.S. small cap. But here here here's what's interesting. The international area. Here's what's cooking. The very thing that's done, uh, well, at least last year, 2011, the worst, among the worst performers, is actually up uh, 4%. So more than double in the last week than the returns offered in the U.S. market. And in the emerging markets, guess what? 5.44% over the last week. Yeah, just today the emerging markets were up 2.7%. On top of what is, is that? Is that well, that's for today, right? So, yeah, interesting, right? You get, in the last week, you've seen a, a shift where... Previously, the U.S. really has been been doing better, but in the last week or perhaps even the last couple of months, uh, the international and emerging markets have begun to catch up. Now, it's kind of interesting, Ethan, because if you said 8, 18% on the world index, um, and you look at the S&P and you said 24%, a lot of people a year ago, if you looked at what the forward rate, say the 10-year estimated rate on, a, on equities was, uh-huh. that, might be, that might actually be three years of return. Um, because if you think about it, if you had a 7% expected return, mm-hmm. we were just talking about the in the last month here, the, the um, person who read a smart money article, right? And it said something about, well, we're going to have lower equity returns into the, indefinitely into the future, right? Right. Um, uh, this is pretty interesting to me because theoretically, you're talking about three or four years. If you were sitting out of the market the last 12 months, because of what was going on, and that's what I want to talk about right now. Yeah, okay. Something I want to do with more consistency and more precision and maybe a little bit more pre- professionality, Ethan. <laughs> more on your, professionalism? On your, on your part. Am I, well, I can do a little more of that. <laughs> uh, I, I really do want to track these headlines better um, in, in the vault segment right. concept that we had, which when we were starting this, we had this concept that, hey, wouldn't it be neat to track – the headlines, and then go back to them after we time progresses and see how accurate they were. And I remember a year ago plus when things were looking pretty grim, I would get from different people, individual investors out there, they would send me links to some pretty wild stuff. And uh, if you just go to Google, I was just doing it, right, 
couple of minutes before the show and you type in September 2011 financial headlines, um, one of the first thing that, things that popped up was a, a YouTube, uh, a link to a YouTube video. And in that video, it had 20 imminent signs of, uh, 20 signs of imminent financial collapse. So it's from September 2011, is at least what it, what it said. And I'm looking at this website, and the, the website here I'm, I'm clicking to is the economiccollapseblog.com. And it's got like a flag and the New York Stock Exchange on the front. It's, uh, it looks like a lot of things are happening. There's a guy on fire in the article here. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, a, it's intense. Wow. That is intense. And, uh, and I, I thought I could just read through some of this and try to, while, I'm, while we're kind of clicking through, think back. Um, we've only got a minute, so I'll do the best I can to set the stage when we come back from the break here. We'll, we'll do our normal horse uh, flogging process that we do. But, you know, the idea here was 20 signs of imminent financial collapse. And it said here, are we on the verge of a massive financial collapse in Europe? Rumors of an imminent default by Greece are flying around all over the place, and Greek government officials are openly admitting that they're running out of money. Without more bailout funds, it is absolutely certain that Greece will be uh, will default on their debts. But German officials are threatening to hold up more bailout payments until the Greeks do what they agreed to do. Quote: The attitude in Germany is that Greeks must now pay the price for going into so much debt. Um, hordes of, of very angry Greek citizens are violently protesting in the streets. Uh, well, we'll come back on this, Ethan. We'll okay. Get back from the break. Empirical uh, Investing Radio. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. We are back, uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host here, Ethan Broga, alongside the main host, star of the show, uh, Ken Smith. Um, if you'd like to join us today, feel free to give us a call at 866-472-5790 or, or via email at contact at empiradio.com. And uh, we were just about to get into some, uh, I don't know, some heavy-hitting conversation, for sure. And... Uh, we were talking about it. Thank you. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, right, man. right before the break. Um, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, you had um, were looking at a website from about a year ago, if I recall, right? It's just a link, and I I was forwarded several like this back then. Sure. Um, and investors asking, hey, what, what's your view on this? And um, and so, I, what we're reading here is, hey, one year ago, September, what what headlines could you find? If you have some. Shoot them to us. If you find interesting headlines, please shoot us a link or email um, because I love to track this. And the point of it as we get through it, Ethan, is not that we knew what was going to happen any more than anyone else did. The point of it is, is if you follow a prudent approach to developing a investment strategy for yourself individually, right. that is not determinant on trying to decipher either over-exuberant or optimistic or over pessimistic market timing type uh, advice, one in which you expose yourself to the amount of risk that you're comfortable with and is necessary to accomplish all your objectives, and you systematically rebalance, preferably through the use of a professional advisor who understands how market markets work. Mm-hmm. Um, you will be in a far better place than if you let the day-to-day headlines sway your investment decision and not your personal circumstances and need, right, willingness and ability to take investment risk. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of the fact that occasionally someone's predictions, even your own, might come true, it's still over the long run not the best way to manage your investments. And that's a point I'm trying to make. So I, I just thought it would be interesting if I could click through a few of these, a little more of this article because it's exactly what what I was getting a year ago, and it's it, it talks about um, uh, this is why you know because he was talking about Greece. This is why is Greece so important? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, 
Major banks all over Europe are heavily invested in Greek debt. Since many of those banks are also very highly leveraged, if they're forced to take huge losses on Greek debt, it can wipe them out. Secondly, if Greek if Greece defaults, it tells the markets that Portugal, Italy, and Spain would like likely not be rescued either. It would suddenly become much, much more expensive for those countries to borrow money, which would make their already huge debt problems far worse. If Italy or Spain were to go down, it would wipe out major banks all over the globe. Recently, Paul Krugman of the New York Times summarized the scale of the problem the world financial system is now facing. And it quotes him uh, basically saying financial turmoil in, in Europe is no longer a problem of, of small peripheral economies like Greece. What's underway right now is a full-scale market run on the much larger economies of Spain and Italy. At this point, countries in crisis account for about a third of the euro's area's uh, GDP. So common, the common European currency itself uh, is under existential threat. Most Americans don't spend a lot of time thinking about the financial condition of Europe, but they should. Right now, the U.S. economy is really struggling to stand up another recession. If Europe has a financial meltdown, and here's the part to tune in on, because everything you just said and I read was probably true at the time. Yeah. Right? That Greece was struggling. There's no question about that. And nobody knew exactly what or even does now. I'm not saying they're even out of that. So right. The Europe is out of their problems, or we are. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the very sensational kind of scare tactic part of this that, that bothers me, with an underlying hidden agenda, by the way. But uh, if you read this, it says, number one, right now the U.S. economy is really struggling, right? Uh, if you think things are bad now, is said if, if Europe has a financial meltdown, there's no way the United States is going to be able to avoid a huge economic turn, downturn. If you think things are bad now, just wait after the next major financial crisis what we're going through right now is going to look like a Sunday picnic, Ethan. And I know, I know you do a lot of that. What is that? That's, that's, I should uh, take some cover. It sounds like the following are twenty signs of imminent financial collapse in Europe. Number one: the yield on the on the two-year Greek bond is now over sixty percent, Ethan. The yield on one-year Greek bond is over one hundred and ten percent. Basically, world financial markets now fully expect that Greece will default. Now, while we were on the break, I shot over to uh, Bloomberg, and I was I was kind of wondering, well, what is the Greek debt rate right now? Something that you might be asking. I'm interested. Uh, the yield on Greece, Greece's bond due February of 2023 fell for a third day, even after the Dow Jones imported the nation will need another bailout. Mm-hmm. The rate dropped two basis points to 20.70 after early jumping, uh, earlier jumping as much as 161 basis points. Uh, Greece will require, this is current headlines now, not one year ago, this is what's currently going right. on. Greece will require additional financing, which will make, uh, which will take the form of either official sector involvement or additional loans, hopefully on more favorable terms, um, blah, 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 and such and so forth. So we're talking about, um, for a longer term bond, not just a one year, right, or two year, this is due February of uh, 2023. Mm-hmm. The the rate on that is twenty point seven. Well, according to this article, a year ago the one year rate was on Greece was sixty uh, percent, and that's why it was imminent that Europe was going to collapse. Right. Apparently that didn't happen. Now again, they're going to require another bailout, but apparently the market is currently pricing that risk instead of one hundred ten percent, for example, on a on a 
um, particular issue. We're talking about long-term bonds here at 20%. Right. But um, number two, European bank stocks are getting absolutely killed once again today. Um, we've seen this happen uh, time in and time out the last few weeks. What we are witnessing is a clear trend. So that was the clear trend. Just like back in 2008, major banking stocks are leading the way down the financial toilet. Number three, the German government is now making preparations to bail out major German banks when Greece defaults. Uh, reportedly, the German government is telling banks and financial institutions to prepare for a 50% haircut on Greek debt. Number four, uh, with thousands of angry citizens protesting the street, the government seems hesitant to fully implement austerity measures. And there are literally 20 of these things, Ethan. I don't know if you want me to go through this all. Um, but this is the kind of thing that a year ago, just this isn't. This is just a single twelve months ago. My point is, if you read this article and I said, "Hey, let's let's put these investment categories down. Let's look at um, even emerging markets, which is a very aggressive and risky area. Mm-hmm. Um, let's put these down and." and Let's not even worry about ranking them in order. That exercise to see who, if we'd be accurate about what, what's going to do the best. Right. Um, let's 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 just figure out where the world is going to be a year from now. Would 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 most people have been saying it'll be up eighteen percent from approximately when if you if this was the article type of articles you were reading? Right. Yeah. No. Most people at that point were feeling pretty pessimistic a year ago. I mean, we just went through August. And just a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Even before the, the quarter. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, that's right. May and, and June were not great months. April wasn't fantastic. In fact, the entire uh, second quarter of this year was not, not, very, not very good. And every time I turn on the TV and hear these guys talk or you click on the video, all I hear is blah, 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 blah. That's what I hear. I, I, I don't hear anything that... It's great information to have, once again. But I wouldn't be investing in stocks if I thought they were if there was no risk that at any point in time, any single stock could go to zero, mm-hmm. any larger group of stock could go down substantially, any entire country could have significant troubles where the stock doesn't go anywhere for twenty years. If you're not prepared or understand that. <laughs> Rather than trying to tar- time markets, and you have a little phrase I think you like to use, something about harnessing capital markets rather than, or, or what is the thing you like to say? Um, I'm oh, not maybe, sure. Maybe that's not you. Har- you used to say it, yeah. but it was about... I, like to, I do a lot of little uh, catchy catchy. Instead of uh, relying on markets to fail... Oh yeah, we yeah. capitalize on the ways in which they work, or something right, right. in fact, or harnessing. Or I, I've said yeah, often that, that you don't you don't have to miss the downturns to get the good long term average. That's something I've said. Right, but it's similar to what you're saying is that hey, make markets work for you rather than trying to work against them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Is, is hoping that they'll fail. Yeah, isn't the best investment strategy. I'm not a I'm not a guy who sits in here day in day out no matter what and goes hey, all I know is the market's going up twenty percent. Let's keep buying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm very aware of the risks of stocks. And I'm saying the more aware you are of that, the less you are to to react to this type of daily market news information. 
but also means the more you understand the importance of diversification yeah. and the role that plays. Right. The answer to what happened in, in, in the Japanese stock market is not to go, that's why I don't ever buy stock in order to stay ahead of inflation and meet some of my investment objectives right. and financial goals. Yes. The lesson there is also not, that's why I need to hire someone who's going to tie me in and out of random markets. The lesson there is to say, hey, what would have happened then if I had diversified, if I was a Japanese citizen and I decided I am going to be a global, not a global citizen, Ethan, but a global investor? Okay. You could be a global citizen as well. Sure. But if you took that mind frame and said, hey, I'm, I'm a global investor. Um, I'm not a, a U.S. investor. I'm not a Jap. I'm a global investor. I want to participate in the inevitable long-term economic expansion of the world. Yeah. And I don't know which markets are going to go in excess, um, which markets are the, the political impact in the future will be a hindrance or a boost. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I do know is that over long periods of time, stocks have the propensity to stay ahead of inflation and to help me preserve and build my wealth. That doesn't mean that at any age and at any level uh, of, of risk that I can tolerate, I should always be in all stocks. It was last week's show we were talking about that, right? Uh-huh. The approach to, to that and the article about stocks and we, the, the debate in terms of how you allocate yeah. um, as, your, as your personal situation changes. Yeah. That one? Yeah. No, it was the other It was a different, it was the other one. All right. Um, so if we come back around here, I got a minute into this segment, Ethan, and we look at, again, year to date, um, what's, what's the top performer if we go switch over to, well, when we come back? I'd like to go over a few more things um, on what's doing well this year and, and how you would have invested if you based your investment strategy around a year ago's news. Sure. That We're going to take good. a quick break. We'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio. Ken Smith and Ethan Brock. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, you're... Your co-host, Ethan Broga, uh, alongside superstar Ken Smith. Um, if you'd like to get, us, get a hold of us today and, and join the program, maybe you have some questions or comments about what we're talking about, uh, you can give us, re- give us a call at 866-472-5790. Yeah, and, or if you want to email, that's fine, too. You can get us at, at contact at emphighradio.com. And uh, Ken, we we're just kind of closing up a conversation about using... Um, the headlines to guide investment decisions and how... I think she's laughing about that superstar comment. Oh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Simon, could you, could you get these guys out of here? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, we were just kind of wrapping up our conversation about you know, the news headlines and why it doesn't generally make sense to, to have them dictate your, your investment decisions. And you had gone through a couple of examples based on a year ago. Yeah, I thought we asked those guys to leave here. <laughs> no, coming out of... a. I remember very distinctly last August, uh, a year ago, 2013, uh, 2011 rather, uh, August and September, not very good months for the stock market. The news was bad. You know, there was the uh, um, the budget talks over in in, in uh, Washington D.C. and uh, budget crises all over the place. And I don't know, it was a bad, pretty bad period of time. And, and like you had said, if you'd asked most people at, at that time, hey, what? Will the returns for the next year be positive or, or negative? Most people would say negative, right? But lo and behold, we're here today, and things have been been reasonably good over the last year. They have, and and so uh, I'm not saying that we predicted that. Nor Our advice has remained consistent year after year, right? Uh, oh, thank you, thank you, much. <laughs> uh, year after year, that it's it's not that in the best strategy. One of the presentations that we've done and one of the things that i know i wrote i don't i don't know what you were saying Ethan, but i was saying one of the best strategies that you can create with an investment is one in which it does not is it is not re, success does not rely on predicting predicting markets yeah right 
and some really smart and uh, um, famous investors also give that advice. Um, for some reason, though, a lot of us don't want to listen to that advice. So Warren Buffett, we've talked about uh, his mentor, um, and 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 many others that. Um, if you if you look back at hey would this advice have worked, uh, it, it it would. Um, and we've talked we talk and we recommend that you don't spend a lot of time reading these, particularly if they if they make you more and more upset. Right. Just like when we do get a, hit a good market, because we will eventually get into a good market, and and I fear that as much as I do what happens when we go through these extended periods of pessimistic news and uh because what happens then is it becomes who who the, the wall street the usual suspects on wall street can't wait to create a whole new line of products for people to speculate and kill their financial futures with because they don't care they just want to take your money mm-hmm. and if giving you what you think you want helps them. I, that's one of the things I do like about John Bogle. I've been had some recent meetings with some of the Vanguard guys and I talk about some of my frustrations with some of the things that uh, Bogle has said over time about not needing advisors and things like that in the past. And now they, I've got a brochure in my office right now produced by Vanguard explaining why people should have financial advisors. Right, and I appreciate that, and I only recommend that they would hand it out to all their clients, not just me, because <laughs> they just give it to advisors, right? Which because they want us to do business with them. But I'm saying, if you really want to help, be on the right side of the of the team here in, in the fight for people's financial independence. Then you need to be handing this out to your clients, not me. I'm already convinced that everyone needs an advisor, mm-hmm. and they need professional help. But they needed the right kind, by the way. Yeah. So you don't need to be handing me brochures that say that with all your evidence. You need to be sending these out to your clients. Um, but anyway, that's a different that's a different discussion, Ethan. That different we're, discussion. We're not having probably. today. Not right now. Not right now. So where was I? Just checking to see if you were even listening. Well, any, 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 it's always clicking. No, I'm not sure oh, it's on okay. the air. I think we can only we can hear it. Oh, okay. Which makes um, all right. Which is great news. I think we're going to wrap up the discussion on, uh, yeah, just summary in terms of making, um, again, making, not making headlines dictate your investment choices is, is the main thing. That's all I'm saying. And, and we were going to just quickly say, look at the year-to-date numbers here on some of these asset oh, classes. Oh, yeah, right, right. Uh-huh. Now, this doesn't have uh, to today's close in it because I'm looking at the close-end mutual funds. Right. Um, but as of yesterday... And we already know that we're going to have a, close to a couple of percent increase in a lot of these asset classes. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we were to to look at, at yesterday's data, you still have the international real estate uh, topping the year-to-date list, year-to-date list of the broad investment asset classes that Empirical utilizes. Not every investment, but the broad ones that we think are core building blocks. Right. Right. Large, small growth value. And real estate, mm-hmm. emerging markets, developed markets, U.S. market. Um, those are some of the core building blocks that we utilize to develop strategies. And uh, as of yesterday, international real estate was still at the top of those the list at 24% for the year. Wow. And it was the U.S. 
REIT portfolio is up over 18% year-to-date still. So we'll see what those numbers come in. I don't know. Do you have that data today, what the REITs did? Um, oh, yeah, I think I might have Take a ganders and all. Could just... So then you had U.S. large value coming in third here on my on the list again that I track. That's at uh, 18% small U.S. value, 17.6%. Um, and, and right on down kind of the list here. Yeah, the... Uh... International real estate today, uh, according to the ETF that tracks that asset class, was up 1.6% today. Okay. okay. So it's still going to be a pretty high-returning asset class for the year. Yeah. And again, going back in time, most people weren't doing that. And you have a period of time where treasury rates and bond rates have been extremely low. Right, right. So doesn't mean we don't have them. And, and that was the other topic. But let's get into today's news, Ethan. You were going to talk a little bit about today. Well, yeah, the big headline today, man. Well, geez, um, in terms of the, uh, uh, it really impressed the market anyway. The market was up quite a bit today, and then that main news was that uh, there'd be a QE3, there'd be a quantitative, quantitative quantitative easing, a third round of that from the Fed, and basically they 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 can going to continue to go out and buy more more bonds, more longer term bonds, uh, particularly more mortgage backed securities, uh, which will have the effect anyway uh, of lowering rates further uh, for particularly those types of securities, but other ones that are related. So it's pretty big business, uh, pretty big news, I mean. Uh, they're going to go out for the next several months and purchase, uh, let's see if I get the numbers here exactly, something along the lines of $40 billion a month of these types of things, if I remember the, the headlines, uh, for for a long period of time. And they also made a commitment to keep interest rates extremely low, if I recall, through 2015. So they've extended it a year, basically. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Another pledge to keep rates extremely low, um, and hopefully spur on the economy to, to grow. So that's the news today, and that's the news that coincides with the market being up 200 points today. And, right, and I think it'll be interesting because I've done this long enough now. Where a week from now the market could be down 600 points, 500 points, a thousand points, and it'll be the same news as the explanation of uh, why the market went down. Right, right, um, and it'll be, and it would be something to the effect of. There's something happening, again, in Europe that's not exactly right. And maybe it's something to do with currency going down as a result of this. And and maybe it's something to do with, hey, the fact that they have to do this is a sign that uh, after further interpretation, uh, that, that they're perceiving that uh, the economy isn't recovering, right? I mean, that's why they're doing it in the first place. Right. And so it's very easy, dependent upon what the market actually does in the future, to spin it either way. And that's also been part of some of the talks that we do is explaining it. Hey, at one point in time, you could take the same bit of news data, right, and dress it up any way you want to explain why the market did what it did for the day. And a lot of time, we have no idea, really. The market is really just a a force of buyers and sellers out there coming together together. and the culmination of their individual views is driving supply and demand and what and driving the prices up and down. But we love to connect it to a particular headline. Yeah, even I mean, if it's the same one we used to explain it a week ago when it was up. Right. Or, right? That we'll use it. If nothing else new came out, we'll go back to the same one and explain it. Yeah, I mean, the, the desire to find order in things is, is pretty, you know, it's, it's part of who we are as human beings. Um, so it... it Assigning, you know, reasons for why the market's up or market's down. Um, people who are writing articles want that. People who are, are reading articles want that because it, it makes 
sense. We want something that makes sense, uh, so we don't we're not so pessimistic or scared of what's going to happen. Um, so I, I find that interesting as well, even though in actuality it may or not be the the, the truth you know, as to what's driving it up or down. So one thing that's expected to happen, right? If they're going out and buying uh, mortgage um, mortgage securities, is for mortgage rates to potentially decrease further than they already are. Yeah, which seems inconceivable, but I guess inconceivable. <laughs> uh, it's possible, yeah. I guess if they're buying more of them, then that would drive the prices lower or the yields. Well, this lower. week the average that that uh, my friend Elliot here put together for me on thirty-year mortgage is three point five seven percent. Be very interesting to see what happens to that. Amazing going forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I find that incredible. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, one thing in that article, by the way. Oh, we've got. Is that it for the week? Anyway, we've one, got more, one more segment. One more segment. I don't know what's happening. You're doing a four segment okay. Uh, show today. Okay, we'll be right back. We're gonna right. take a quick break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back on Empirical Investing Radio. This is our last segment for the show today. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, give us a call here at 866-472. This is your last chance, by the way. So give us a call, 
5790 or uh, email at contact at empiradio.com. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you, so give us a call. Um, Ken, I think we were just uh, we're wrapping up with our previous discussion, or did we wrap it up right before the break? Well, we were just uh, talking about interest rates being very low in the 30-year mortgage, such and so forth and so on. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. I, I do recall now. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we were talking about the uh, the QE3 and how the potential effect of rates could go lower on those things, the, particularly the, the mortgage-backed securities, which might drive other long-term rates even further down. Uh, so, yeah, where, where would you like to start now? Well, we were talking, um, there was an article here about time to, is it time to bail on treasuries? Is now the time to bail out on treasuries? Right. So I was just scanning through it. It was uh, CNBC.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys in the office forward me these headlines. And, again, they are things that, that clients and investors ask us about. Sure. Um, my advice is to ignore all this stuff, to be honest with you, and to, again, Develop a strategy in which you've got a combination of um, stocks and fixed income and maybe some other uh, alternative asset classes that are less liquid. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have some private real estate or some other things in there. But you develop a strategy around that and you have a very good way of understanding um, how you are making the decision to over or underweight relative to different investment classes. So if it's treasuries versus credit versus corporate bonds, right, or versus tax-free bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping in mind your personal situation, right, am I in a high tax bracket, low tax bracket? What am I trying to get out of my fixed income port- part of my portfolio? What am I trying to get out of the equity part? What am I trying to do as a whole for all the different goals I have? Rather than reading articles and going, well, geez, it says is it time to bail out of treasuries. I guess I should sell all my treasuries right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that's that's probably not the best if you if you could step back away from that article for a minute and say hey because it's the kind of questions we would get right if we own any treasuries then in the in the portfolio someone might be inclined to go why do you own that these we guys got, don't know what they're doing they still they still own a treasury they don't even read CNBC it looks like oh so <laughs> when by the way one of the biggest bond guys in the world got it wrong telling people to get out of treasuries yeah last year yeah Bill Gross I think so, it was yeah. Um, eventually, if you keep predicting something, it, it may come true. Um, it right. just it doesn't mean it's a great strategy when after year after year or whatever people make predictions, eventually one of them comes right and it's like, yeah, see, this worked. Um, the point of it is is that treasuries are in a portfolio if you own them for a very specific reason. And that reason should be that that component of your portfolio, you don't want a lot of credit risk um, and you don't want a lot of liquidity risk in there, mm-hmm. meaning that treasuries are very easy to buy and sell, right? and there's very little chance that they're going to default, that they're not going to pay you back. right? It's the one uh, borrower that, now, I don't want to hear a bunch of stuff about how high the debt is and all of this. Don't wor- I'm not worried about the, the, you buying a treasury and not getting, getting my principal and interest right now. If you're, if you're actually really worried about that, then yeah, there's not much we can do for you. That's a whole different realm, right? You know, if you're digging, um, if if you're investing in in, in bunkers and all that kind of stuff, I, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that that then you are in a different realm of how you're looking at your investments and financial planning and 
you know, what what good does it do us to talk about having a will or life insurance if you actually expect everything to collapse? Right. That we're wasting everyone's time. But that's not the point. The point here in this article is basically, hey, you, you're, it's something that I see in this article. It's something I just recently, I was talking to a client that uh, one of the local banks was making a recommendation. The recommendation was, hey, we're not earning any money. We're not earning it. You're not earning any any interest or yield in in the bank account that you're holding with us, by the way, as the bank. Right. So why don't we put you into some municipal bonds? And in this particular case, the money is set aside for a business cash reserve account. And so um, it really depends on. It's it's not a fair comparison to take something that is risk free an FDIC-insured, right, and say, let's move that into a risk-full <laughs> right. investment asset class. And so then it's, hey, if we're going to move from one to the other, we need to be clear that we're comparing apples to apples. We're not saying, let's move you from one FDIC-insured, completely liquid, where you can get the cash tomorrow, uh, risk-free savings account to another that pays double or triple the rate nobody's offering that in the bank what they're suddenly offering without much talk about risk is mm-hmm. hey i can get you a higher yield right and so it's my advice to you as a listener be patient with the fact that interest rates are low year to date the annualized inflation rate uh, i think we have it through july or august was on our sheets about 1.26 percent i think i don't do you have it there? yeah there it is year to date end of july 2012 1.28 percent 1.28 percent wow so fortunately while we're not getting an enormous amount of money in uh risk-free savings accounts or investment accounts mm-hmm. at least we're not doing we're not getting that while we're getting 10 percent a year inflation because right. that's devastating right oh yeah hey, I, I need to have this money available to pay bills but my bills are going up at a rate of 10 percent a year and i'm earning nothing while I'm on, t- on top of it, right, to add insult to injury there. Mm-hmm. But most of us aren't looking at that number. Most of us, when we're walking into the bank or to the brokerage firm or wherever they're going, aren't going, well, hey, we had 1.26% inflation. That's pretty low, even if certain components of it are higher than others. I understand that. But historically speaking, right, we've had times where we've had double-digit inflation rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we had... Virtually no interest. That's pain. That's even more painful, right? Right. But that should be put into the context as well, and it should be a situation where you you have to kind of be disciplined and look at over a long term view. That as a general rule, unless the yield difference is going from a basically risk free FDIC insured savings account to the next investment what's the what's the step of risk i'm taking for that and does it make sense for the time period that i'm investing that money right because if it's long term yeah we're the first ones to say hey use that use risk compensated risk to your advantage to get to to stay ahead of inflation and get to where you want to go it's just not necessarily a prudent thing to take it out of context and go well hey earning earning uh earning a, a quarter of a percent in a treasury is the same as buying a junk bond for 8%. And they're perfect substitutes for one another. <laughs> they're not at all. No, they're completely different. And the guy who's selling you the junk bond, who has nothing to do, right? Nothing to do but get a commission or 
get some kind of compensation for doing that. He's not the one taking the risk. Right. Um, and in most cases, we know they, they have a, a, a really low hurdle of suitability or whatever to determine whether or not the investment is appropriate for you. Right. It's kind of like, you have cash? Oh, this is appropriate for you. Right. That's, the, that's it. So our advice is, you know, because in this article, I didn't get to read it. I don't need to. But they're, they're, some of the things that they're putting in here as alternatives are high yield or junk bonds or emerging market stat. Right. Um, well, they, they wouldn't be good substitutes for treasuries if the treasuries were there for, for the reasons we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to go into that, then you need to really look at your overall risk budget and say, is this the best way to spend it? You know? Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. Not to mention that depending on what kind of an emerging markets bond fund you're in, you might have currency risk in addition sure. uh, to the general debt risk. Sounds like the music is playing, Ethan. Uh-oh. And um, that means it's time for us to go. All right. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back again next week, Thursday, 2 p.m. If you want to get a hold of us here at the firm, Ken or Ethan, go ahead and call us directly at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307, and that is to get us directly at uh, Empirical Wealth Management. We'd love to talk to you on an individual one-on-one basis without any fees or obligations to hire us for anything. Thanks for tuning in again, and we'll see you next week. Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.